Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today, I'd like to introduce Tony Wolf, Professor of Viticulture at Virginia Tech University. Tony will be discussing using cover crops in vineyards and how that can affect soil health. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, the invitation to join and uh, look forward to it. As you indicated, I'm a professor of viticulture with Virginia Tech. Uh, I've had a long tenure here and uh, cover crops and in the broader sense, vineyard floor management is just one area of research that I've been involved with over the years. Fantastic. Well, to get us started, why don't you give us kind of an overview of what type of growing conditions viticulturists have to deal with uh, there in Virginia? Yeah, great, great introduction, because uh, for many of your listeners, uh, they may not really fully appreciate the kind of uh, environment that we grow grapes in here. When we think about the climate of Virginia, it might come as a surprise that it's a continental subtropical climate. We have a lot of rainfall, uh, typically throughout the growing season. We're not a uh, winter dominated rainfall a Mediterranean type climate as uh, some of your listeners on the West Coast might be or would be. Uh, but instead, we have we have rainfall and and occasionally very violent thunderstorms throughout the growing season. So, water, uh, although grapevines need it, water sometimes is at a surplus. We have more than what we can deal with, and uh, therein lies one of the uses of cover crops is to help mitigate some of the issues that come with that rainfall. We also have uh, a fairly warm growing season uh, here in Virginia and elsewhere in the Mid Atlantic region. And so uh, collectively, the, the abundant moisture, sometimes um, very fertile soils, deep soils, and the humid uh, warm conditions that we have are also very favorable for some of the diseases that affect grapevines. So that's an added challenge that we have with grape growing here, but our growers, of course, have, have, have found ways and we've researched ways of, of lessening some of the negative impacts of those environmental uh, factors. Absolutely. So let's let's get to the nitty gritty here. Talk about uh, some of the benefits that cover crops provide to vineyards. I know you mentioned dealing with excess moisture. Um, so let's let's start there. Yeah, I think it would be important too to define what we mean by cover crops and where they're growing. Um, we we think of vineyards as having two crops essentially. Um, here in Virginia, we, we grow the grapevines, of course, but the other uh, crop that we grow on a perennial basis in the vineyard are cover crops. And there are really two locations that we think about those cover crops between the rows, uh, which is a very traditional way of managing vineyard floors uh, here in the mid-Atlantic region, and then under the trellis, uh, or what we might call intra-row, uh, or in the row uh, type of cover crops. And um, these are a little less common. 
However, in recent years, we've been uh, we've seen a, a greater adoption, an increased adoption of in the row cover crops as well, um, both perennial and and annual cover crops. We'll get into some specifics with uh, questions and answers on the the nature of those cover crops in a bit. But in terms of overall advantages, the the chief reason we use cover crops here, as I mentioned before, we do have quite a bit of rainfall that occurs here. Uh, our average rainfall varies throughout the state, but we're talking about figures of anywhere from 38 to maybe 48 inches of rainfall uh, per year. So it's, um, it's considerable compared to some of the West Coast uh, vineyards. If we did not have cover crops in the, in the vineyard, even between the rows, we would have some, some real problems with soil erosion. Many of our vineyards are located on steep uh, terrain or, or at least sloping terrain. And um, of course, when you have rainfall hitting on bare soil, uh, it tends to increase soil erosion and that soil moves downhill. It's, it's a classic problem. So cover crops between the rows are our primary uh, ways of, of lessening or mitigating soil erosion. Uh, they provide a platform for vehicular traffic or uh, machinery uh, in the vineyard, of course, if you need to get in and spray. Uh, soon after a rainfall, it's good to have a cover crop on the ground so that you don't get mired in mud. And then they're also uh, very helpful in improving soil structure. We have some pretty heavy clay soils that uh, uh, occur in our vineyards here. And uh, cover crops, particularly deeply rooted cover crops, are, are helpful with improving water infiltration into the soil, improving soil structure, and there are a lot of other biological soil health benefits that go along with having these cover crops in the vineyard. Now, as we move from the row middles into the under trellis portion of the vineyard, uh, traditionally and historically, uh, weed management has been very important to our vineyard management, and weeds are typically controlled under the trellis either through uh, mechanical means, uh, such as cultivation, uh, or through the use of herbicides, both pre-emergent herbicides and post-emergent herbicides. And um, we've, we still do that. Uh, it's still fairly common to use either cultivation or chemical weed management tools. But one of the issues that we have with vineyards here in Virginia, most of our vineyards are grafted vineyards. We're growing vinifera varieties that uh, coupled with the rootstocks that we use, we typically produce very large vines. These, these vines have high capacity uh, for uh, vegetation production as well as yield production. Uh, so we're often, our, our labor management during the growing season is often tasked with having to go back in and do remedial canopy management practices because of these big grapevines. We're growing big grapevines with big grapevine canopies and we have to do a lot of uh, remedial labor with leaf thinning and shoot thinning. So we've been interested for some time in, in, in implementing some desirable level of competition with the vines for both soil uh, water resources as well as nutrient resources in a way of, of suppressing some of that vegetation. And that's where we found an added benefit of the in-row cover crops. We could compete with the vines in a, um, in a predictable fashion and reduce some of the uh, vigor and, and vine size that uh, come with these big vines. So that's an added benefit uh, that we've derived. It's, it's not a free lunch. Uh, you can go overboard and uh, these cover crops can become overly competitive if you're not careful, but, but finding that balance is, is all part of the good vineyard management that we're doing. 
So again, I, I just want to recap. We have two types of vineyard cover crops. We have those that are between the row, very traditional. These are typically grasses, perennial cool season grasses. And then we also have the cover crops under the trellis um, in some vineyards. And so we have these, these two spatial locations or areas in the vineyard that I would uh, differentiate uh, for your listeners. Fascinating. So uh, something we see on the cash crop side of things is that uh, sometimes cover crops can result in a slight reduction in yield. Mm -hmm. Do do you see that uh, any negative effect of cover crops on vine capacity or, or yield? Certainly, certainly. And uh, let's take a very abstract uh, or, or radical approach to that. If you if you don't control weeds in the first place, particularly in a young vineyard, you're going to have a negative impact on the vine, what I call capacity, the, the vine's ability to produce both vegetation and, and fruit. Um, that's a classic situation of letting the weeds get the upper hand. And, and weeds are essentially, in that case, a cover crop, but uh, an undesirable cover crop. So that can happen. With the strategy, though, of using cover crops as a means of instilling or imparting some vigor reduction on the vine, we're, we're really using these cover crops a little bit more aggressively in the second or third year of the vineyard's establishment. Uh, so we allow the vine to get its root system developed, to get the framework of the training system in place before we in, in, impart some of this vigor reduction on the vine. Now, what happens, though, over time is that we do see, and particularly if the nutrient management is not maintained in the vineyard, uh, we will see that these cover crops can become overly competitive, and um, they don't necessarily reach a an equilibrium in terms of the nitrogen cycling in particular in the in the vineyard soil. We had hoped, we had thought maybe that they would reach that point with the imparting of uh, additional organic matter into the soil. But we, we, we have found that we do have to come back in and, and apply nitrogen. We had to do that before we use these cover crops more aggressively anyway. We don't necessarily use a lot of nitrogen compared to certain other crops. But we uh, have found that particularly with the use of perennial cover crops, we do have to add nitrogen back into the system or vine size and, and yields will start to go down over time. And that may take uh, four or five years. Um, it may, we may even see it earlier than that. What we have seen with our own research is that the cover crops have a range of uh, effects on what we call the components of yield in grapevines. Those components really start at the berry level, and we see a slight reduction in berry size, average berry size, where we use these cover crops. Uh, it's not very large, but when you consider the number of berries produced in an acre, it adds up. So cluster size or cluster weight, uh, which is the next component then, uh, also goes down, and yield per vine also goes down. But where we've looked at these uh, aggressive use of these cover crops over a long period of time, it's not a dramatic reduction in yield. Um, the yields may be off 15% or so compared to um, using an herbicide strip under the trellis. And the question I would raise with growers is, is that yield uh, an acceptable level for, uh, in our case, winemaking? Is it, uh, does it translate into a higher wine 
quality potential or at least a, a satisfactory yield to recover cost and make a profit as, a, as an independent grape grower. Um, in many cases, uh, our grape growers are having to reduce yields uh, to meet winemakers' specifications anyway. So a slight reduction in yield, 15% or so, may not be a penalty that uh, they would consider they, they, they really have to worry about. So you mentioned uh, perennial cover crops. Mm -hmm. And I am curious, are perennial cover crops or annual cover crops uh, a good choice for vineyards? And, and how do viticulturists determine that? It, it really depends a little bit on where your vineyard is located. Here in Virginia, we're generally um, not immune, but we have very low risk of winter injury to the vines. So our growers have moved away from some of the winter protection strategies that are used in colder environments, such as hilling up of uh, the graft unions with grafted vines in, in areas that are susceptible to cold injury, part of the floor management of the vineyard is to annually come in with a plow basically and, and hill a berm of soil up over the graft union of the vine in a portion of the sign variety. And in, in so doing, it's providing a thermal protection uh, or buffer, if you will, from the cold, uh, cold air, cold temperatures. So if you had a, a very um, catastrophic cold event that killed much of the above ground portion of the vine, you still have a portion of the vine that has been protected by soil that can be taken down in the spring and the vines can be uh, retrained uh, from buds that will originate on that protected portion of the trunk. So we've gotten away from that. And in doing so, if you think about it, uh, perennial means that you're not going in and planting every year or destroying the cover crop every year, you're planting it and it's staying there year after year. Um, if you're if you're hilling up and dehilling on an annual basis, um, you can't really use a perennial cover crop. You have to go to annual cover crops. So that's one big distinction uh, between us uh, and say some of the growers a little bit further north in Pennsylvania and New York State, for example. Perennial cover crops uh, work well in our environment. Of course, that's what we use between the rows. I mentioned that before. We're using turf type fescues for the most part, but sometimes orchard grass. Uh, sometimes perennial rye, um, and these are often mixed, if, if you will. They're, they're weedy in the sense that they may have uh, quite a bit of white clover that grows uh, concurrently with them. It's, it's, it's mixed in, um, not because it was planted, but, it, but it's, a, it's a pretty invasive uh, species, and we don't really mind it being there either, but because um, it grows low, it's low growing, and it does provide some nitrogen to the vineyard if, if, if it's destroyed. There's very little nitrogen we feel that comes from the plant uh, while it's alive, but if it were to be cultivated in, it does release that nitrogen as, as many legumes do. The cover crops that are growing under the trellis for the most part, where, where we can get away with perennial cover crops, we'll do that as well. We use low growing uh, perennial grasses such as creeping red fescue, which uh, does very well in our environment here in the mid-Atlantic. We're in kind of a transition zone between cool grass, cool season grasses and warm season grasses. We do have some interest in warm season grasses such as Bermuda grass. Uh, which is a, a very um, a vigorous and very aggressive uh, grass, but uh, we're, we're kind of in a transition zone where we're not sure that that can maintain its viability from year to year, 
particularly here in Northern Virginia. Zoysia grass, which tends to be very expensive, is used in turf applications, but not, not necessarily in vineyards. The, the other interest with when growers ask about cover crops, they often say, well, what about benefiting something that will benefit pollinators? Uh, whether they be honeybees or uh, other insects that might be beneficial in the vineyard. And it, it sounds like a great idea, but the caveat there is that we have an insect pest here in the east, and it's moved further west, uh, called Japanese beetle. It's been around for a long time. It just simply devours the foliage of grapevines. It's, a difficult, it's, it's not a difficult uh, pest to control with insecticides. You, just, you do have to spray it a lot. But the, the problem with using pollinating attractive vegetation in the vineyard is that even with white clover, I, I feel we're, we're setting the stage or the table, if you will, for these pollinators to come in. And then if we have to hit the grapevines with an insecticide for Japanese beetle, for example, um, it can be very destructive to those pollinators. So it, we've I've, I've argued that if we're going to go with cover crops under under the trellis and even between the rows, they should be non-flowering, really just so that we're not attracting pollinators into the vineyard where they could be harmed by our insecticide sprays. If you want to go with the route of pollinator, you know, pollinating attractive cover crops or vegetation, uh, by all means do it, but do it outside of the vineyard where you don't necessarily have to spray it. Maybe do it around the edge of the vineyard where you can attract these beneficial insects in, but uh, don't have to hit it for, uh, with an insecticide. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. And now, back to the podcast. All right, seeding covers in between the vines or, or under the trellises probably is, is rather challenging. Uh, what seeding methods uh, are best for viticulturists to use uh, when adding cover crops in, in the vineyard? Seeding or sowing, yeah, that's, that's, that's been one of the hardships really. Uh, between the rows, it's not too big of a problem. Um, you, can, you can either broadcast seed or you can drill seed uh, into the ground uh, without any problem. Under the trellis, you, you have the practical limitation though of of having trunks and uh, trellis posts in the way. And uh, we, we don't have availability of, of drills, very small drills. We, we really need something on the order of about an 18 inch wide drill that would be able to go down one side of the row and up the other side without hitting the trunks uh, to, to drill seed into the ground. That would be a very precise way of, of putting the seed down. So rather than going that route, we've, we've tried different things. And, and when I say we, some of this has been with uh, uh, work that research colleagues in, on Long Island, for example, with Cornell have, have done some work in this regard. The, they've modified um, 
broadcast spreaders to discharge seed in a in a uh, defined band to the side of the of the broadcaster so that you're only really putting the seed down under the trellis that still leaves the need though to go back in and and either lightly cultivate it into the ground or somehow get it get it covered with something that will help with germination and the early survival of the seed so it's been it's been a challenge i don't have a good answer to that question of what's the best way to do it in very small vineyards i've seen people resort to uh, broadcasting with a, a chest mounted uh, broadcaster one of these things that you kind of wear over like a knapsack and um, you can spread the seed that way. And if you're dealing with a very small vineyard, five acres or less, it, it takes a little while, but it can be done that way. Uh, and then going back in and either putting a light uh, dusting of mulch on top of it or straw, something that would just give uh, a little bit of cover for those uh, seeds to get going. And most of this seed sowing, again, if we're talking about perennial grasses, we're doing this late in the summer um as late as uh, september now even into early october um so you, you have a fairly wide window to do it but getting the seed bed right uh that is getting a clean seed bed under the trellis being able to get the seed down in contact with the soil and then providing some cover to it has admittedly been one of the limitations with getting that cover crop growing under the trellis and I'll use the, the opportunity here with that with that uh, qualification or that statement to say that this is one of the reasons why a lot of growers just say no, it's 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 too much effort uh, to try to get the cover crop growing under the the vines and then keeping it mowed or occasionally mowing it. It's much easier, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit it's much easier to use herbicides uh, and even cultivation uh, under the trellis. And um, I, I get that, I understand it, but uh, you, don't get the, you don't get that benefit of reduced vine size uh, with those, those strategies. So you mentioned using herbicides. Is there any concern about using herbicides and the potential of them harming the vines or, or the, or the mm -hmm. fruit? Mm -hmm. Well, two answers to that. One is that, uh, let me give the first. I, I think if you if you follow the instructions, the label, use the herbicides in the way they were intended to be used. No, you, I think you have uh, very little chance of harming the the vines. That said, there are many people that would like to reduce the synthetic inputs into the vineyard one way or the other. In our environment, where fungal diseases in particular are such a challenge. We're, we're not really making a lot of headway on reducing our, our fungicide uh, input in the vineyard. And now we have invasive pests like spotted lanternfly that we're gonna have to deal with. And that includes using more insecticides until we can come up with biological controls. So the one area uh, of pesticide usage that we at least have some latitude in reducing uh, our inputs would be in the area of herbicides. Um, herbicides come in different shapes and forms, of course. We have the pre-emergent um, herbicides, we have post-emergent herbicides. Many vineyards have gotten away, particularly where they're using these perennial cover crops, they have been able to get away from using pre-emergent herbicides uh, for the most part. We use, in our research vineyard, we still use a combination of cover crops under the trellis and herbicides. We use the herbicides selectively. 
to keep what I call a halo uh, of open area immediately around the trunks of the vines. And um, we also find the need occasionally to do some spot treatment of what I would call more, more noxious or um, uh, aggressive weeds, uh, particularly woody weeds such as poison ivy or Virginia creeper. These are, these are climbing liana type plants like grapevines. And if, if they're not controlled, if they get out of hand, um, they can really take over um, the canopy of the grapevine during the course of the growing season. So we, we do some spot treatment, uh, particularly with use of glyphosate or uh, another uh, contact herbicide, perhaps, or sus another systemic herbicide to spot treat some of these, these more noxious weeds in the vineyard. All right, so let's kind of shift gears here and talk a little bit about soil health in the vineyard. How do cover crops help with maintaining those nutrient levels in the soil? You've kind of mentioned that a little bit here and there, but I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. There, there's a couple ways that the cover crops can help. If we, if we think about uh, soil erosion for one, you know, when we do have soil erosion, we're losing some of the most fertile soil, the topsoil from the vineyard first. That's the first to go. So uh, anything that's going to help with redu reducing erosion is going to keep more of the nutrients in place within the vineyard. Uh, the other thing that cover crops do is they have a tendency to sequester some of the, uh, the nutrients uh, in, the, in the soil or in the, in the vineyard system. They do take up nitrogen. They will utilize nitrogen, and they're competing with vines for nitrogen. Nitrogen, of course, is um, in most cases, it's going to be our, our chief limiting nutrient in, in most, most vineyards here, uh, meaning it's the nutrient that we're going to have to apply on an annual basis or maybe every other year basis in order to maintain vine size. It does sequester it in the sense that if you don't take the, the sward, that is, you don't cut the vegetation and take it out of the vineyard, that nitrogen is recycled within the vineyard and sequestered also in the form of organic matter, uh, the thatch. Um, the uh, other inert materials that comprise that first inch or two of the uh, soil profile. It's a, um, it's a nice reservoir for some of those nutrients uh, in, the, in the vineyard. Same way with uh, phosphorus, potassium, some of the other, you know, magnesium, some of the other nutrients. Uh, most of the other nutrients we're not quite as concerned about, though, because of their attraction to soil colloids and, and their ability to be retained by a mineral soil that, that it might have even very low um, organic matter levels in it. So there's the, the recycling of nutrients. Um, there are the, the spin-off benefits in terms of soil organisms that are enhanced with uh, uh, a, a living cover crop on the, on the vineyard floor. Uh, the water infiltration, you know, I, I talked about the negative impacts of water in, in our environment, but again, grapevines do need uh, water, and uh, we do have drought periods here in the summer occasionally. So having uh, the ability of, of a vineyard soil to uh, allow water to move into it is, is also important um, for, uh, for, for vine welfare. Uh, soil health-wise, uh, you can think of the macroorganisms that, uh, that utilize the soil, earthworms, for example, uh, if the soil structure is uh, um, uh, good, uh, if soil organic matter levels are good, we, we do see more um, earthworm activity. I think earthworms are a great 
uh, proxy for soil health because we can see them, we can count them if we want, um, and give a good, good indication of, of the overall health of the soil. There are, I, I would be remiss if I said that uh, all soil organisms are uh, health beneficial. Uh, we, we do see uh, situations where cover crops on the vineyard floor do raise the um, levels of rodents in the vineyard. Um, we have voles in this part of the world, pine voles and meadow voles, and we do see greater, in cases, we do see greater abundance of those voles on the vineyard uh, floor where cover crops are used extensively uh, compared to where we have herbicide strips or no cover crops between the rows, which is um, a very rare situation anymore. Do, do these mice, uh, I'll use the term you know, very generally, they're, they're uh, technically voles, but do these voles uh, harm grapevines? We've not seen evidence of that in our, in our own vineyards here, but occasionally I will hear growers tell me that they have seen problems. And I have seen problems myself in recently planted vineyards where young grapevines uh, do appear to have been affected by pine voles, which um, are feeding down lower in the soil profile. So that, that's just one of those things that, that uh, need to be taken into consideration. There may be situations where those rodents do become a problem. And, and again, I, I just for the benefit of your listeners, I want to emphasize I'm only really talking about the mid-Atlantic region here. If, we're, if, we, if, if your audience is on the West Coast, you know, pocket gophers and other larger rodents may be a, a, a bigger problem and maybe even a greater problem where cover crops are used more extensively. So I'm, I'm really confining my comments to here in Virginia and elsewhere in the mid-Atlantic. All right. Well, uh, where can our listeners go for more information about cover crops and soil health in vineyards? We have um, we have a recent publication. It's freely available online. I would. Uh, this is really a culmination of a lot of our research over the years, as as well as many other people's uh, uh, other researchers' efforts. If, if one simply searched for floor management strategies for Virginia vineyards, they'll find that publication. It's a Virginia Cooperative Extension publication. There is a lot. I've uh, as I look through available online materials. Um, th there's quite a bit of information out there on, on vineyard floor management and the use of different strategies for integrating cover crops into a, uh, into a, uh, a vineyard situation, whether you're in a, a cold environment or whether you're in a, in a more tolerable environment like we are, where you can maintain perennial cover crops. Um, but I would, uh, I would call attention to our publication. It's a fairly recent publication, uh, fairly extensive in terms of what some of the questions are that come up. We've, we have a part of the publication that's devoted to questions and answers uh, on issues such as soil health and alternative means of controlling weeds under the, under the canopy. There, there's lots of different ways of doing that, uh, Sarah. So uh, that, that would be my first go-to publication. It's free. Great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us, Tony. And thank you again for the invitation. It's been my pleasure. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. Montag Precision Metering Equipment is helping producers achieve their yield goals while saving on seed and input costs. 
For establishing cover crops, Montag's family of seed platform equipment adapts to a variety of major brand delivery systems that will conserve seed and nutrients along with soil and water. Explore new options for your production and conservation goals with your Montag dealer or on the Montag Manufacturing website. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.